Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in New York with Washington Wizards forward Kyle Kuzma. One of the real breakout players, not just in the Eastern Conference, but in all of the NBA career highs across the board for you, Kyle. Beginning at almost 22 points a game for this Wizards team. And uh, you are in the All-Star Eastern Conference All-Star conversation, which is, I'm sure, pretty remarkable given it wasn't that long ago you were a freshman at Utah, averaging three points a game. And now, all these years later, an All-Star game in Utah. It's funny how sometimes it can start to full circle, look baby. full circle. Full circle. I mean, you, you kind of just said it. You hit it on the nail. I mean, I think me touching on what you said about my freshman year in college, you know, I never really expected this type of journey. And for me, you know, I've always been really, really confident. And I, I knew even, you know, my freshman year averaged three points a game. But I always knew that I could be an NBA player. But when you talk about the journey and everything that's transpired, um, no, I could never think about that for sure. Yeah, I mean, this we said this has been your best season. Certainly, uh, the opportunity has been there. Your growth, I think mean, you've already got five 30-point games this season, more than you had all of last season. And, you know, you were earlier in your career. There was a lot, of, especially playing with LeBron yep. in L.A. It was a lot of catch and shoot. And now, much more creating for yourself, much more. I think you've just seen the growth in your game. And by design, right? I think that for you, that's been a goal to just be able to do more, you know, as you've evolved in this league. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, when you, when you look back at my early, my little earlier times, I was, you know, probably more of a like a movement shooter, someone that, um, you know, catch and shoot, tackle closeouts, which I do now still for sure. Uh, but you know, having uh, the situation in Washington to really have my first go around of being, like you said, somebody that's uh, creating for myself, but also creating for others too. And, um, you know, there's been a learning curve with it, obviously. It's been great though. And um, every game, every week that passes, I just feel like I get more and more comfortable just understanding like kind of who I am as a player, you know what I mean? Because if you look at my career, there's there's different coozes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. From, you know, first and second year, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was first year Lakers. I led the, led the team in scoring, right? And second year, second in scoring. Third, took a back seat, more of a, a role utility player behind, you know, the great players that we had. Now getting to Washington, it's, it's like you said, creating the full nine. And it's, it's who I, I've always envisioned who I, I – you know, always was so. When you say there were different coozes yeah. along the, even at only twenty-seven years old now, right? Is that how you think other people see it, or is that how you see it? Even that's how. Well, what do you mean? That that the different different players, different stages. Do you look at it that that's a different coos? That's a different player than yeah. What I I don't know if people really kind of really see that. You know, I think if you looked at when I first came and my MO in the league was score, score, score. Um, but that's it. I was very one-dimensional and, you know, couldn't guard a stop sign until probably the bubble. And that's where I kind of shifted that into the, into the court. 
And then you look at me now, too, and you look at my, my, my first and second year, that's a different. My third, my fourth, that's a different. My fifth, my sixth, totally different person, too. And, you know, I love this game. I love this craft. And, and obviously, you know, you could see that from how I've developed and, um, you know, just how serious I take the game of basketball. What is it like? Do you, do you have a better appreciation, maybe now even, what is it like to come into the league with the Lakers and with the Lakers and LeBron James? Yeah. The scrutiny, there's a focus night in and night out on that team and you as an individual, unlike playing anywhere else. Right. Oh, no question. Right? Oh, no question. Even when you think about the Knicks, right? They, I feel like they don't have the same scrutiny, and that's probably the biggest market in the NBA. Would you say, right? And they're they don't have the same scrutiny level as you know you have as a Laker. Like it's different. Not everybody can be a Laker. Um, that's why you see so many guys when they come there. It's they play a little different. You know the the lights are really bright. You know you're always talked about, and then and that's just from you know Laker fans, right? It's it's such a huge huge brand. They love their team. They're very passionate. But then now you add LeBron to the mix, and he has his own set of fans, right? So now you got a double whammy, and you know it's always going to be drama. But that's LA, you know, it's a dramatic city. Is it a challenge to when you're trying to create an identity as a player and a person? And again, everything you do in that market's exaggerated off the court. When you go out, there's eyes on you that aren't probably almost anywhere else what is that part of it like mm -hmm. as as a young player who's trying to figure it out I mean life comes at you fast when you play for the Lakers and I think for me as a young player um, you know if you just know a little bit of my background I'm, I'm really a small town kid I'm from Flint Michigan that's an extremely small town and then I went to the state of Utah Salt Lake is a big city the metropolitan is probably a million but um, it's very conservative and it's very it's very just low-key and quiet out there so Coming to L.A., the bright lights, it's its a lot of stimulation. And and when you're coming in as a young player, you know, you, you can get sidetracked out there because it's not just basketball. And and for me, one of the favorite, my favorite things about getting drafted there so early, I just learned how to move on and off the court, um, you know, how to be a professional, how to deal with the media and, and understand the media. I think that's a very, very important thing. Because you you can see it's a big difference if you if you look at how, where how young players come in and, and how they talk to the media, you know, it's a little. I'm not going to say unprofessional, but it's just not educated on how you need to approach you know that in a in a workspace. And I think that's what LA really did for me because it's nonstop. When you think about media days, right? I remember my year three media day we had. And that was our championship year, AD's first year. We probably had about 300 media members just at media day. Yeah. That's insane. You mentioned the bubble, Coos, and I was just thinking back to that. I was telling somebody about it the other day, and I appreciate it more now. Like, it was this little island. Remember there was a, a restaurant out on the – or, uh, three bridges. Three bridges, right? Yeah. And and there was like a long, I don't know, you walk down this pathway. It was like a bridge to yep. go on. And you'd just be walking and like here comes LeBron flying by on like a bike. A bike. <laughs> on a bike, right? And then there was like Mike, 
<laughs> Mike Budenholzer would always do laps around, and he would always, like, not wear his shirt, and he's just walking around. And you're just going, this is like <laughs> – it was just – Fairy tale. It was. It was Disney. It was, it was Disney. Disney. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the games were – it was like a movie set, right? Like, when you first went 100%. in there, it was like you had all the lights and the game – and then somebody would do something incredible, and it's just silence. Mm-hmm. And then they were piping the sound in for television, right? And then you just kind of got used to that. But, like, when you think back to that, and you guys go on and win the championship in there, how do you remember that thing? Even beyond winning in the basketball, that – because no one was in there longer than you guys were. You were oh, there till the very end. 106 days. You know, now I look back at it. It, it was one of probably one of the better times of my life. You know, it was – it was a very unique setting, like you said. You know, you could see Braun just on a bike, boot holder, <laughs> running just. shirtless. Um, but it was it was <laughs> it, it was, was ex- a sight. It, it was extremely fun though because you got to really interact with different people that you've never and probably would never have really had that opportunity to. You know, because in the NBA it's so fast paced. You know, it's it's hard to really understand. I wonder how this guy is or. You know, I wonder how this guy moves. And you see how people move in a day-to-day basis. But obviously it was a little different because in a bubble there wasn't really much places to move around to. Right. Right. But it was it was a great experience. And, you know, you talked about Three Bridges, the restaurant. Ate there every single morning for 105 days. The menu was only about four or five yep. things. Uh, but I felt beauty in that. Like it was, it was fun within that, and I and I think that's just a little bit because of who I am, and I'm a very optimistic person, and I always try to look at the, the positive things in life, as opposed to some guys. And, and you know a little bit about the meeting we had there. Yeah, the night I thought it was the whole thing over. It was over. It was over. It felt like that everybody, night was the everybody end. Everybody damn near wanted to leave, and um, the reason why I always say. Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat were in the finals was because one those were the two teams that wanted to be there the most and those were the two teams that actually like really liked each other like I know for a fact we loved each other but you could tell the Heat loved each other too because of just their path and how they got to the finals so it brought out the best basketball probably I'm not going to say ever because I, I, I don't like to compare eras and I've never even watched the 90s or 80s, but it was a different brand of basketball, like being played. Like you had guys, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Jamal they're Murray. putting up 50s and 60s in the playoffs. And Grant, like you said, it was a stage. It was more of a production. No fans. You know, that probably could And, and there was no travel, it. so you didn't have – you're in a seven-game series. Yeah. And I remember the Jazz were up 3-1 on Denver. 3-1. Right. What it didn't have was the okay. Now we got to get on a plane and fly. Now that's not a those two teams. Probably not a good example. Yeah. But you didn't have the travel weariness. Yeah. And I always thought that had part to do with maybe the production that you 100%. you know it wears it wears so, you out that time. Of the and year. not only that, it's after just, a long season, right? And not only that, it's really um, you know the travel is, is part of the the psychological warfare of, of of everything. Just imagine going down three one. And now you got to go to Denver and play in that altitude. Yeah. And now you got to fly. Some guys are like, man, all right, I'm done for this. That's it. It's over. It's, it's over. It. And yeah. it'll be done. But you see, like, a team like Denver having, and I don't, I'm not going to say this because, you know, I think they got high character guys and, and guys that really love basketball. But for you to make that many 3 1 comebacks, 
you know, there's a lot that goes into that yeah. too. Like, like you said, there's no travel, so you're fresh. So your opponent is fresh every night. Like it's not like, you know, banged up, get on the flight, I'm inflamed from the flight, and I got to land. It's none of that. So, you talk about that meeting when we, there was a sense of it. Did you walk into the meeting that night thinking this thing ends here and we're going to be packing up and leaving? And was there a point in there where you started to think, nah, there's a sense of like Chris got up and talked, I think Andre Guadalla, Chris Paul. Yeah. Right. There was a sense of I think those guys were talking about this is important. Right? Yeah. For beyond yep. Kyle Lowry. Kyle, he right? stood up. It, but everybody was really gone. Like even going into that meeting, I thought the season was over. We're just going to scratch it, figure it out. And I don't know my mind is I forgot or not, but I believe it was it was Kalo and he was like, guys, like we're gonna lose like fifteen percent of our money. Mm-hmm. Y'all wanna do this? And they're like, Okay, <laughs> see you tomorrow. <laughs> we're right. gonna play. Yeah. And um yeah, I thought it was over. I thought every, pretty much everybody probably thought it was over at the point because it was very dramatic in that room. Multiple, you know, high figures, um, very emotional, very passionate in there because at the same time, it was a lot going on too. Like the Jacob Blake stuff happened. Yes. That was the Milwaukee that really set everything mm-hmm. off. That kind of um, threw a little wrench into everything because I know for a fact it, we were in the first round. I think we might have been getting ready to play game one or two at the time, and I was taking my pregame nap, and then Milwaukee goes, "Hey, we're done. We're canceled." Done. So we, I wake up from my nap, uh, ready to play Portland, and it was like, "We're not playing tonight." <laughs> and I remember there were the Bucks made that decision, and there was I remember there was some there were some teams upset with Milwaukee because you should have let us know because you put us in a position we had to decide 100%. very quickly. But it was also the moment it was it was happening quick, right? Yeah, and it was in Milwaukee too. That's part of their community, so it, it was different with them. I understood. I understood, I understood yeah. what you know other teams and and how you know the messaging or whatnot because there's a a business side to everything, but. You know, being humane, that's their community, and they want to do something for their community, and you have to respect that. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. You guys win the championship, and then you play one more season, and there's something of an early exit in the yeah. playoffs, and the sense was we've got a clean house around LeBron. And you said it. There's this sense when you play with LeBron that it's going to be the supporting cast will get flipped quick. Short term. You're very short right? term. You, sure. like, you're like, wait, we just want to – we were just the guys who helped win a championship, but all of a sudden, no, you're the guys who lost in the first round. And then, you know, there were a couple different deals L.A. could have done – um, one was with SAC, and then one was with Washington. They did that. Mm-hmm. Your group, you know, your core guys, you and KCP, and go to Washington. At that point, were you worn out of the Laker 
the Laker existence, were you ready to start it over, like that your growth as a player probably was going to be maybe best somewhere else? Or would you have liked it at the moment, not look, at that time, no, I'd like to run it back here. I still think this is a core that can win. Uh, I think a little bit of both. I think at the time I was I was in the, the run it back type of mind frame because we had a really good team. We weren't necessarily just healthy. You know, we missed AD for probably three months of that season. Bron goes out on a Solomon Hill ankle injury mm-hmm. uh, fluke, and we were still balling at that time. And then, you know, there was a part of me that was kind of like, you know, I really believe, you know, I didn't really get a fair shake of things from a from a role standpoint and understanding and, and knowing that I could do more, but, you know, having them trust me to do more. So at that point, it's like I am kind of ready to just be done with it because I want to ring and there's so much more that I want to do in my career and, and prove to myself of who I think I can be. And, um, you know, getting traded was the best thing to happen to me at that time, for sure. Kuz, this Washington team, we, we haven't seen it really yet, no, right? We've not seen this group just with injuries. Uh, Bradley Beals, his limited play this year, having your whole group together to see what this can be. You, Chris Epsporzingis has had a very good season. You're having your best season. And, and the hope is obviously getting Bradley back in the lineup every day. Have you – do you have a sense yet of what this team is or what it can be? A, a little sense because we've had some games together. You know, I think we started the season out 4-1, and 5-1, uh, yeah. uh, having a full, full roster. I think that was when – I think it was game five versus the Pistons. That's when DeLon got hurt. And um, the injuries kind of just started trickling from there. But – yeah, you're right. You know, we haven't – Wizards fans, uh, NBA community, they haven't really seen, you know, our team fully. And a lot of that has comes down to Brad, too, because um, he is our Supermax franchise player, you know what I mean? And, and having him out 50% of the games has been, has been tough for us because there's so many role adjustments. There's so many uncertainty of who's going to play from game to game. And that takes its toll on the season. But, um, you know, we're really excited to get him back, get him back in the fold because, you know, we need him. You know, he's probably our best player of getting into the paint when he wants. We need him. And I think um, getting him back is going to help us just collect more wins and, and, you know, try to make a little bit of the season back. So. I mean, how much for you two? You've already said you've got the player option on the last year of your deal here and that you'll decline it. And, you know, financially it makes – whether you stay or go, it's it's the only real decision to make given the opportunity you're going to have either in free agency or staying in Washington right. and doing a new deal, doing a new deal there. Like how much of it too is you want to have all the information on if you decide to stay and you know what you're signing up for, you, you just want to have – all the information you can when you get out into free agency about right. and that that's part of this too of like what can we be what is this going to be and what, are we going to stay the course with this group right and add to it what we can right right for sure and i think you know this is it's such a great time in my life you know to be in this situation not many players at this stage and in, in, in years in the 
the NBA have an opportunity to go into unrestricted free agency so early. You know, a lot of teams, they sign you for the, the rookie extension, then you have the bird rights, and then they play it out. And then, right. you know, you might sign a team option after that. Now you're still on that restricted side. And, and for me, I'm a businessman, and I love the game of basketball. I love the basketball economics. You know, I, and this is my life. So having to what you just said, having opportunity to further – you know, be educated in this space and in this in industry going through unrestricted free agency is huge. And that's not to say I don't love Washington. You know, I've, I, I love Washington. It's been a great place for me um, to further my career and also develop my career. And um, they've been nothing but, you know, honest and phenomenal with me. So it's, it's been a great, it's been great. It's been great in Washington. I love something you said about, I know you get asked all the time about the pink sweater. Yeah. And when they do, when the Wizards had their night, like you're in the the bobblehead night, you're in the pink sweater. And people ask you about fashion, fashion. I thought your answer has been really interesting. You saw that as art. Art. What, what's the difference? Um, fashion is art. Right. Um, I think the big difference is that was more so like, yes, it's a sweater, but it's a piece. It's an art piece. It's, right. it's a piece of fabric. It's a piece of clothing, right? You're not going to wear that. I'm not going to wear that sweater on a Wednesday to go to Sedell's down here, right? <laughs> I'm not. But for me, I just see the beauty in, in fashion because I have a, this huge raging passion for art and, and how that makes me feel alive. And I just use fashion as just a place to express myself and, and uh, just explore my creativity more. When you're outside maybe the basketball realm, do you get asked about that as much as people go, well, I won a championship, you know, like I was like a really good player on, <laughs> on a Laker championship. Yeah. And you think about sometimes what, and it just took on a life of its own. Do you get asked as much about that? Like people go, oh, you're the guy. It's funny though, because like, you know, it's funny because people – even when I was younger in my career in LA, I feel like people misunderstood me because I am big in the fashion space and I love it and I I do it fully. Um, that I didn't love basketball or this is what that it it's is. It's got to be one or the it's other. It's got to be one or the other. Right. But I think coming to Washington, people realize, oh, like, oh, damn, like he didn't just win a championship. He's actually a pretty good player. And then on top of that, being so heavy in the fashion space, I get known for the pink sweater or just my style just as much as basketball too and i feel like that's that's beautiful it's right. great you know when you talk about a brand you think about you know being global yeah people know me for basketball but the person that doesn't know a lick about basketball knows who i am because of that and uh that holds a lot of weight just in society you know for things i want to do in my future um and it just bodes well for me so did it, and even back when you look, if you would dye your hair in LA, yeah. have mm -hmm. the blonde hair, that when you got to Washington and left LA, that you were fighting that a little bit, that he's not serious enough right. about the game. And it's funny, when you look your backstory, which and we it hurt, talked about. And it hurt, and it hurt, it hurt me for sure, because being very misunderstood, people don't, people really, one, don't know my story, looking back to it, and you just said it. You know, my freshman year in college, I averaged, three points, eight minutes, could have transferred. 
Uh, sophomore year, still nobody knew who I was. Junior year, they told me to go back to school, even though putting up production and numbers I wasn't a highly recruited, um, you know, high school athlete. Like I, I had to work for everything that I've gotten so far, and and just to be to this point, and for people to kind of just not understand that, or maybe not know that. And it's I'm not putting that on for people to know, because who am I? But yeah, it definitely hurt, but I'm just glad that, you know, I just stay true to myself throughout this entire journey, whether that's being in L.A., these bright lights, kind of hitting it hard a little bit, going to Washington. Like, I've remained true to myself, and, and people are not loving me for who I am, and that's on and off court. You mentioned coming out of Flint and Part of why you're in, you and I are in New York, or you're in New York today, the team's just getting here. You came up a little bit early, taped a segment on Good Morning America that'll run yep. after the pot will already be out, so I'm yeah. not giving anything away <laughs> here. But uh, $1 million to the YMCA in Flint that you grew up in mm-hmm. to build a new mm-hmm. gymnasium. Mm-hmm. And that gym, for a lot of reasons, has a lot of history in that building for you. Yeah. And growing up in Flint and, and knowing what folks in Flint have been up against for a long time. And you right. grew up in it. But that uh, that gym was the place where you made videotapes of yourself working out to send to high school. When you're trying to say, is there a place I can go away to like a like something like a prep prep school, prep school, prep right? School, yep. And you, you were making your case to people in that gym to like, hey, I'm good enough to come play with you and maybe get a bigger stage right at that age. Right, yeah, 100%. And the Y, it, the YMCA, it just means everything to me, the, the world. Without the YMCA, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be who I am. You know, the YMCA was such a safe place for me because growing up, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Flint, Michigan, but yeah. it's an extremely dangerous place. Um, there's a lot of temptations and you know, if you're, if you're a male in Flint and you come from poverty, it's either you play a sport or you're in the streets or you're doing music. It's one of the three. And the YMCA, and for me, I was never a bad kid, never got into trouble. You know, might have opened some Christmas presents early, but, you know, being at the Y, it was, it, it, it was I, I could just be myself. And I didn't have to worry about or think about being poor, um, my mom working two jobs, me only having f- six or seven outfits. I didn't have to worry about that stuff. I could come in and do what I love, play basketball. A lot of times my mom worked two jobs. There's a lot of times where in the summer times I wasn't able to get to the gym, so I took the bus. I walked a mile to get to the bus and then take the bus to downtown early to play with the old heads around 11 or 12. And then I would stay there all day till about five or six when my age group kind of came in to play some more. And, and that's just that's who I've been my entire life. And um, for me to have an opportunity to give back to the YMCA in Flint, it means the world because I know when I was there, I didn't really have the resources. Yeah, I made it and who I am today, but that was on me. Like I had a goal at a young age. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm and there's nothing that's going to stop me to getting to that place. But not every kid has that mentality. So within this donation, hopefully giving the city faith and hope that there's a place that you can go that someone as famous as me from the same hometown 
can accomplish some things and um i'm extremely excited yeah and like the ymca and like i've always tried to i've done a lot with the boys and girls club they're, they're the same it's the same kind of people helping yeah. the same but like even beyond basketball when you put a gym in it's 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 after school for a lot of kids it's a haven hey it's the best place they're gonna it's the best few hours of their day before sometimes they've got to go home to tough circumstances mm-hmm. or it's like the one place like they can get lunch it's the one place someone can help them with homework right it, like especially a place like flint it's it's more than just hey i can get some gym time too right right yeah, yeah it's way more than that but growing up i never really thought about it as a safe mm-hmm. place this i'm just want to play basketball yep. i just want to get away and i want to get better because i have these goals in mind and you know it's funny you said it you know i used to be in there by myself i'd have my cell phone i'd prop it up against the wall i'd just film myself shooting and at this time i might have been a, a junior it's probably like a sophomore more so a junior in high school and i had no offers i had nobody nobody knew who i was you know because i was at the time you know my freshman year i was i was five nine my freshman year junior year comes i'm probably six three six four and i would i would be in there and i'm like yo this is like i want to play basketball for a living how else can i do this and, and you're wondering too you're taping yourself and you're playing and there's part of you wondering is anybody even going to watch this is anybody going to watch it? this that doesn't mean anybody's even going to watch it right yeah i put it on youtube i i sent it to people you know just having that blind faith that somebody may see it you know my i didn't get my first offer college offer until after my junior season, right before AAU, and I was ecstatic, but it was an NAI Division II school. But I was ecstatic, though, because yeah. it's like, okay, this is cool. But okay, well, let me just try to, you know, get a D2 now, or let me just try to get, you know, University of Detroit or Oakland University, one of the small schools, this D1. And, um, man, those were good times, man. Those were really good times. I used to, I used to Facebook message I don't know. It had to be at least 150 coaches in the nation. I would copy and paste the same thing. I'd change the name, put the video in there, see if I get a response. How All often the time. would you get one? How often would I get one? Um, I got a few. I definitely got a few. And I was very grateful for it. It was super dope. But I was very creative with it, too. Like, I've been doing this marketing thing for, for a long time. <laughs> I tell you this, a long time. I used to kind of I, – I used to blow it up. I used to do everything. I used to kind of do, like, you know – D2s, D1s, it could be schools from the, the American East, it could be Pac-10 schools. I would try, okay, maybe I'm not that good for SEC school. I'm not going to message this dude, but hmm, maybe I can go to Quinnipiac. Right. I don't even know what <laughs> Quinnipiac is, but maybe I can go there. So let me just see. And, um, yeah, those are good times, good stories. And that's the thing, too. When you get to the NBA, you are just, you're going to deal with adversity. There's mm-hmm. uh, very few players are never really going to have some pretty big roadblocks or times where, I mean, you know, so much of it is confidence and believing in yourself. There's so many guys who are so talented and the guys who have staying power, you know, are the guys who mentally can fight through things, keep belief. Mm-hmm. Right. And in any of our professions, you look at guys, you go, that person was so much more talented than me. I never thought I would be as I'd ever had the kind of career that person's having, but Right. If you when you sort of keep going, you realize like part of it is confidence and belief and just grinding away at it. And that's a testament to what you even though we're talking about, like the portal, three points a game at Utah, your freshman year. 
Now, back then, you could transfer, but you had to sit out. Sit out. And you think back now, that probably freshman to sophomore year, sophomore to junior year, when nobody was talking about you leaving early. No. Mm-mm. We were like, can I be a starter here? Can I be second team all pack 12, right? Right. And then all of a sudden, like, you see the progress. Uh, you probably, your confidence probably grew with the progression of hanging in there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think looking at my path, I've always had to go through things. You know, go- growing up, nobody in my city really knew who I was from a basketball standpoint. You know, I grew up with Monte Morris, and he was the the hot rod in the city and within the state, Mr. Basketball, two state championships, everything, right? So I've always wanted to be on that level because this is my friend and I see it. And I'm, I'm with him every single day. And, um, you know, adversity is, is man's best friend. You know, some people shy away from it. Some people embrace it. And um, like you said, it's it, it could have been easy for me to transfer after averaging three, three points in eight minutes my freshman year on a sweet 16 team. I was the third string power forward on that team. The first string guy was a sophomore. The second string was a top 100 player that just went to USA basketball after our freshman year. So it it was looking like he was going to be primed for that starting position. I was in third. And I wanted to transfer and I'm like, there's no way I can do this. And, you know, just, just praying on it and just being like, no, I can do this. Why? Like, why be a punk? Why leave, right? Like, why just pick up my ball and leave? And uh, I fought through it. And it's it's made the best out of me. And even going to my junior year, you know, my, my college coaching staff, they told me to go back to school because I didn't have, you know, when you talk to the under advisory committee, 19 teams told me that I'd go undrafted. And then the other 11 said you'd go from 50 to 60. So if you got that advice, you'd be like, oh, I got one more year of, yeah. of yeah. school. I might as well go back. But yeah, I'm you're like, not playing nah. the percentages there. Yeah. And then everybody's telling me, yo, this is probably the worst decision of your life if you don't go back to school. And I'm like, I'll be all right. I'll be cool. And that, but that's my that's my blind confidence that I know I'm better than 50, 60 people. You can't tell me there's 50, 60 people better than me at this time. And having those adversities has led to – why I'm so confident and and why certain stages or things don't phase me. I remember your draft. I I remember pretty well. I as I recall, the draft conversation around you changed after is the agent pro day. Oh yeah. Which usually yeah. show nothing to anybody ever. Right. But it was different with you. Mm-hmm. Like I remember people walked out of the gym that day going, "Hey, Kuzma's yeah. th- this might be a first round pick." Mhm. That was that was the first time I remember hearing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, around that time, pro day, um, that was huge. But also, what was huge was first day at combine, five on fives, yep. and I really shut the gym down. And it was funny because I was just going off. I had like seventeen points in the first half, and to end the half, I caught the ball in the post, and I feel like it was Frank Jackson, maybe somebody. I hit him with a sky hook, and you just hear, and you know. At the combine, the yep. gym is all NBA personnel. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And you just hear oh, the whole crowd. And this is all NBA people. Yep. And I'm like, shutting it down. <laughs> That's all I had to do today. Because this was uh, this is a lot of fun. This has been for you. Again, 
your breakout year in this league and again a Washington team that's still I think is still has a chance to show people for sure that this is you're, you're just out of the play in you had that tough western trip earlier in the year and he started to kind of fight your way back from that and getting your guys back so Knicks in New York here but uh good luck on this all-star quest playoff quest here and I know we'll be we'll be chasing Kyle Kuzma free agency or you know new deal with the Wizards soon enough in the offseason but I appreciate 100%, it man I appreciate you And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.